Chapter One of The House in the Mist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. The House in the Mist by Anna Catherine Green. Chapter One An Open Door. It was a night to drive any man indoors not only was the darkness impenetrable but the raw mist enveloping hill and valley made the open road anything but desirable to a belated wayfarer like myself being young untrammelled and naturally indifferent to danger i was not averse to adventure and having my fortune to make was always on the lookout for el dorado which to ardent souls lies ever beyond the next turning consequently when i saw a light shimmering through the mist at my right i resolved to make for it and the shelter it so opportunely offered but i did not realize then as i do now that shelter does not necessarily imply refuge or i might not have undertaken this adventure with so light a heart yet who knows the impulses of an unfettered spirit lean towards daring and youth as i have said seeks the strange the unknown and sometimes the terrible my path towards this light was by no means an easy one after confused wanderings through tangled hedges and a struggle with obstacles of whose nature i received the most curious impression in the surrounding murk i arrived in front of a long low building which to my astonishment i found standing with doors and windows open to the pervading mist save for one square casement through which the light shone from a row of candles placed on a long mahogany table the quiet and seeming emptiness of this odd and picturesque building made me pause i am not much affected by visible danger but this silent room with its air of sinister expectancy struck me most unpleasantly and i was about to reconsider my first impulse and withdraw again to the road when a second look thrown back upon the comfortable interior i was leaving convinced me of my folly and sent me straight towards the door which stood so invitingly open but half-way up the path my progress was again stayed by the sight of a man issuing from the house i had so rashly looked upon as devoid of all human presence he seemed in haste and at the moment my eye first fell on him was engaged in replacing his watch in his pocket but he did not shut the door behind him which i thought odd especially as his final glance had been a backward one and seemed to take in all the appointments of the place he was so hurriedly leaving as we met he raised his hat this likewise struck me as peculiar for the deference he displayed was more marked than that usually bestowed on strangers while his lack of surprise at an encounter more or less startling in such a mist was calculated to puzzle an ordinary man like myself indeed he was so little impressed by my presence there that he was for passing me without a word or any other hint of good fellowship save the bow of which i have spoken 
but this did not suit me i was hungry cold and eager for creature comforts and the house before me gave forth not only heat but a savoury odour which in itself was an invitation hard to ignore i therefore accosted the man will bed and supper be provided me here i asked i am tired out with a long tramp over hills and hungry enough to pay anything in reason i stopped for the man had disappeared he had not paused at my appeal and the mist had swallowed him but at the break in my sentence his voice came back in good-natured tones and i heard supper will be ready at nine and there are beds for all enter sir you are the first to arrive but the others cannot be far behind a queer greeting certainly but when i strove to question him as to its meaning his voice returned to me from such a distance that i doubted if my words had reached him with any more distinctness than his answer reached me well thought i it isn't as if a lodging had been denied me he invited me to enter and enter i will the house to which i now naturally directed a glance of much more careful scrutiny than before was no ordinary farm building but a rambling old mansion made conspicuously larger here and there by jutting porches and more than one convenient lean-to though furnished warmed and lighted with candles as i have previously described it had about it an air of disuse which made me feel myself an intruder in spite of the welcome i had received but i was not in a position to stand upon ceremony and ere long i found myself inside the great room and before the blazing logs whose glow had lighted up the doorway and added its own attraction to the other allurements of the inviting place though the open door made a draught which was anything but pleasant i did not feel like closing it and was astonished to observe the effect of the mist through the square thus left open to the night it was not an agreeable one and instinctively turning my back upon that quarter of the room i let my eyes roam over the wainscoted walls and the odd pieces of furniture which gave such an air of old-fashioned richness to the place as nothing of the kind had ever fallen under my eyes before i should have thoroughly enjoyed this opportunity of gratifying my taste for the curious and the beautiful if the quaint old chairs i saw standing about me on every side had not all been empty but the solitude of the place so much more oppressive than the solitude of the road i had left struck cold to my heart and i missed the chair rightfully belonging to such attractive surroundings suddenly i bethought me of the many other apartments likely to be found in so spacious a dwelling and going to the nearest door i opened it and called out for the master of the house but only an echo came back and returning to the fire i sat down before the cheering blaze in quiet acceptance of a situation too lonely for comfort yet not without a certain piquant interest for a man of free mind and adventurous disposition like myself after all if supper was to be served at nine some one must be expected to eat it i should surely not be left much longer without companions 
meanwhile ample amusement awaited me in the contemplation of a picture which next to the large fireplace was the most prominent object in the room this picture was a portrait and a remarkable one the countenance it portrayed was both characteristic and forcible and so interested me that in studying it i quite forgot both hunger and weariness indeed its effect upon me was such that after gazing at it uninterruptedly for a few minutes i discovered that its various features the narrow eyes in which a hint of craft gave a strange gleam to their native intelligence the steadfast chin strong as the rock of the hills i had wearily tramped all day the cunning wrinkles which yet did not interfere with a latent great-heartedness that made the face as attractive as it was puzzling had so established themselves in my mind that i continued to see them before me whichever way i turned and found it impossible to shake off their influence even after i had resolutely set my mind in another direction by endeavouring to recall what i knew of the town into which i had strayed i had come from scranton and was now according to my best judgment in one of those rural districts of western pennsylvania which breed such strange and sturdy characters but of this special neighbourhood its inhabitants and its industries i knew nothing nor was likely to so long as i remained in the solitude i have endeavoured to describe but these impressions and these thoughts if thoughts they were presently received a check a loud hullo rose from somewhere in the mist followed by a string of muttered imprecations which convinced me that the person now attempting to approach the house was encountering some of the many difficulties which had beset me in the same undertaking a few minutes before i therefore raised my voice and shouted out here this way after which i sat still and awaited developments there was a huge clock in one of the corners whose loud tick filled up every interval of silence by this clock it was just ten minutes to eight when two gentlemen i should say men and coarse men at that crossed the open threshold and entered the house their appearance was more or less noteworthy unpleasantly so i am obliged to add one was red-faced and obese the other was tall thin and wiry and showed as many seams in his face as a blighted apple neither of the two had anything to recommend him either in appearance or address save a certain veneer of polite assumption as transparent as it was offensive as i listened to the forced sallies of the one and the hollow laugh of the other i was glad that i was large of frame and strong of arm and used to all kinds of men and brutes as these two newcomers seemed no more astonished at my presence than the man i had met at the gate i checked the question which instinctively rose to my lips and with a simple bow responded to by a more or less familiar nod from either accepted the situation with all the sang-froid the occasion seemed to demand perhaps this was wise perhaps it was not 
there was little opportunity to judge for the start they both gave as they encountered the eyes of the picture before mentioned drew my attention to a consideration of the different ways in which men however similar in other respects express sudden and unlooked-for emotion the big man simply allowed his astonishment dread or whatever the feeling was which moved him to ooze forth in a cold and deathly perspiration which robbed his cheeks of colour and cast a bluish shadow over his narrow and retreating temples while the thin and waspish man caught in the same trap for a trap i saw it was shouted aloud in his ill-timed mirth the false and cruel character of which would have made me shudder if all expression of feeling on my part had not been held in check by the interest i immediately experienced in the display of open bravado with which in another moment these two tried to carry off their mutual embarrassment good likeness eh laughed the seamy-faced man quite an idea that makes him one of us again well he's welcome in oils can't say much to us from canvas eh and the rafters above him vibrated as his violent efforts at joviality went up in loud and louder assertion from his thin throat a nudge from the other's elbow stopped him and i saw them both cast half-lowering half-inquisited glances in my direction one of the witherspoon boys queried one perhaps snarled the other i never saw but one of them there are five aren't there eustace believed in marrying off his gals young damn him yes and he'd have married them off younger if he had known how numbers were going to count some day among the westerners and he laughed again in a way i should certainly have felt it my business to resent if my indignation as well as the ill-timed illusion which had called it forth had not been put to an end by a fresh arrival through the veiling mist which hung like a shroud at the doorway this time it was for me to experience a shock of something like fear yet the personage who called up this unlooked-for sensation in my naturally hardy nature was old and to all appearance harmless from disability if not from good will his form was bent over upon itself like a bow and only from the glances he shot from his upturned eyes was the fact made evident that a redoubtable nature full of force and malignity had just brought its quota of evil into a room already overflowing with dangerous and menacing passions as this old wretch either from the feebleness of age or from the infirmity i have mentioned had a great difficulty in walking he had brought with him a small boy whose business it was to direct his tottering steps as best he could but once settled in his chair he drove away this boy with a pointed oak stick and with some harsh words about caring for the house and being on time in the morning he sent him out into the mist as this little shivering and pathetic figure vanished the old man drew with gasp and haw a number of deep breaths 
which shook his bent back and did their share no doubt in restoring his own disturbed circulation then with a sinister twist which brought his pointed chin and twinkling eyes again into view he remarked haven't ye a word for kinsmen luke you two it isn't often i get out among ye shaky nephew shaky hector and now who's the boy in the window my eyes aren't what they used to be but he don't seem to favour the westerners over much one of salmon's four grandchildren think eh or a shoot from eustace's gnarled old trunk his gals all married americans and none of them i've been told was a yellow-haired giant like this fellow as this description pointed directly toward me i was about to venture a response on my own account when my attention as well as theirs was freshly attracted by a loud wah at the gate followed by the hasty but assured entrance of a dapper wizened but perfectly preserved little old gentleman with a bag in his hand looking askance with eyes that were like two beads first at the two men who were now elbowing each other for the best place before the fire and then at the revolting figure in the chair he bestowed his greeting which consisted of an elaborate bow not on them but upon the picture hanging so conspicuously on the open wall before him and then taking me within the scope of his quick circling glance cried out with an assumption of great cordiality good evening gentlemen good evening one good evening all nothing like being on the tick i'm sorry the night has turned out so badly some may find it too thick for travel that would be bad eh very bad for them as none of the men he openly addressed saw fit to answer save by the hitch of a shoulder or a leer quickly suppressed i kept silent also but this reticence marked as it was did not seem to offend the newcomer shaking the wet from the umbrella he held he stood the dripping article up in the corner and then came and placed his feet on the fender to do this he had to crowd between the two men already occupying the best part of the hearth but he showed no concern at incommoding them and bore their cross looks and threatening gestures with professional equanimity you know me he now unexpectedly snapped bestowing another look over his shoulder at that oppressive figure in the chair did i say that i had risen when the latter sat i am no westerner i nor yet a witherspoon nor a clapsaddle i am only smeed the lawyer mr anthony westerner's lawyer he repeated with another glance of recognition in the direction of the picture i drew up his last will and testament and until all of his wishes have been duly carried out am entitled by the terms of that will to be regarded both legally and socially as his representative this you all know but it is my way to make everything clear as i proceed a lawyer's trick no doubt i do not pretend to be entirely exempt from such a grumble from the large man who seemed to have been disturbed in some absorbing calculation he was carrying on mingled with a few muttered words of forced acknowledgment from the restless old sinner in the chair made it unnecessary for me to reply 
even if the last comer had given me the opportunity. "'It's getting late,' he cried, with an easy garrulity rather amusing under the circumstances. Two more trains came in as I left the depot. If old Phil was on hand with his wagon, several more members of this interesting family may be here before the clock strikes. If not, the assemblage is like to be small. Too small. I heard him grumble a minute after under his breath. I wish it were a matter of one, spoke up the big man, striking his breast in a way to make it perfectly apparent whom he meant by that word one. And having, if I may judge by the mingled laugh and growl of his companions, thus shown his hand both figuratively and literally, he relapsed into the calculation which seemed to absorb all of his unoccupied moments. "'Generous, very,' commented the lawyer in a murmur which was more than audible. "'Pity that sentiments of such broad benevolence should go unrewarded.' this because at that very instant wheels were heard in front also a jangle of voices in some controversy about the fares which promised anything but a pleasing addition to the already none too desirable company i suppose that's sister janet snarled out the one addressed as hector there was no love in his voice despite the relationship hinted at and I awaited the entrance of this woman with some curiosity. End of chapter 1, part 1